And they're the two best friends that anyone's ever had. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I'm your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the seven billionth wonder of the world, my brother, Mike. I am the ultimate man. I am Thunderlips. Thunder the ultimate man. Seven billionth ain't bad. There, hey, you know. There's a few people behind me in that list. How about that? <laughs> How about that? Not even the entire prison population of the United States. I but feel like the seven billionth person right now. Uh, I'll bet you do. This day, yesterday. And last night, I feel like the seventh billionth best person. Last night into this morning. And uh, yes, it was quite a day. Uh, I'm so glad you made us trim the hedges yesterday, right before we did all that, too. That was was, was a great idea on your part. Um, This week on Royals Weekly, we'll dig into the recent winning streak. It's a winning streak, Mike. I know. Five in a row. (laughs) Who who knew? Who knew it could be done? Right out of thin air. Nobody (laughs) saw it coming. Isn't it the Royals to just go on this a winning streak when they're already out of contention? You that know, isn't is that so dumb? so Royals. That is like on we, brand, baby. There is no way we're making the playoffs. Let's go ahead and win a few games now. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll talk about that as we review last week's games. We'll dig into the promotion of Nick Prado and Bobby Witt Jr. Another really interesting and exciting thing that happened this week. And we'll talk a little bit about what the Royals might look like in the future when we do that. We'll also sort of dig a little bit into how we can keep this hot streak going and what it means for the team as a whole and that sort of thing. So uh, as a reminder, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review Royals Weekly on whatever podcast app you use. We love getting those new ratings. We love getting those new reviews. A lot of fun. No new reviews for this week, but uh, lots of people out there rating. So make sure you keep doing that. All right, let's talk about some baseball. We'll start with roster news. There was quite a bit this week. First off, the Royals have now signed all of their 21 draft picks from the draft. Every single one of them signed. That's pretty rare for a baseball team to get all signings. And people thought that the Royals wouldn't be able to get a couple guys that they ended up getting. So that's really good news for them. Uh, Also this week, Danny Duffy and Brady Singer both went on the injured list. That's not good news. Uh, Duffy with a left flexor strain, Singer with a sh- with shoulder fatigue, both of them on the 10-day IL, but you never know with these things how long they'll end up taking. It's just a really sort of dicey situation. You hate to see it for Duffy, who's already been injured some this year, but also Singer, who's had some shoulder problems. Uh, it's not great for him either. H- hoping those guys bounce back really soon. Hoping uh, they can either give us some quality innings or maybe Duffy still has some trade value, even though he's been hurt a little bit. Yeah, and um, the the we kind of maybe saw this coming for Singer. He had been shut down early in some starts, but you thought this year that there might be guys who, especially younger guys who aren't established in the big leagues, who might see some injury problems because they pitched so few innings last year. And so not surprised by the Singer uh, injury list move here, but uh, sad to see it either way. Yeah, hopefully it is just fatigue and nothing that would be a long-term issue for him. Hopefully the Royals also had to shut down Asa Lacey. It looks like he's not going to pitch again this year. He came out injured. People are worried that might be a problem. Hopefully he somehow gets over that and he'll be okay in the long term. But it's just you, right now you're seeing pitchers drop like flies because of this whole uh, not having pitched much last year thing. So uh, sort of not, not in a corresponding move because they made it in a different set of moves. But because of these injuries, Daniel Lynch was brought up for today's game. 
to start in this Sunday game. We're recording this on Sunday, July 25th. Uh, and was just nails, was nails yeah. in the start. He went eight innings, the longest any starting pitcher for the Royals has gone this year. Eight innings, zero runs, four strikeouts, zero walks. The zero walks is what really I love to see. But he was just phenomenal out there on the mound today. And the great thing is he goes eight innings and he threw under nine or under 100 pitches. Yeah. So that's how efficient he was being with those pitches. Uh, the couple times he let guys on base, he was able to get ground balls. Uh, and to get out of it or get a, a key strikeout. And so he didn't have huge strikeout numbers today, but um, he got them when he needed them. And some of the location of those secondary pitches on those strikeouts was phenomenal. The changeup to Miguel Cabrera was top level. And uh, so you saw some back foot sliders as well that are not kind of back foot down and in sliders to right handers that were really good too. So uh, encouraging to see that. Doesn't look like he's tipping pitches today. Yeah, very encouraging from him. They need him. They need Kowar to come up and look good at the major league level because they're counting on those two. They're counting on Bubich, who had a great start this week, too. Uh, they're counting on Singer. If those guys get there, then all they need to do is round out this rotation, and they'll, uh, they will might have something come 2022, 2023, probably more likely. The Royals also brought up a couple of relievers as they sort of just try and fill and find innings. They brought up a guy named Domingo Tapia, as well as Tyler Zuber, who saw time with the team earlier. I think he, Tyler Zuber broke camp with the team, right? He, he was on the roster to start I, the season. I can't remember if he broke I with him or was. if he, he struggled. I remember that because I like Zuber. He, but he, he gave has up been, a lot of home runs. But he has been, been dealing really down at AAA in Omaha. So they brought him back up. I don't know that he saw any time. I don't know that he pitched for them at all. And he was sent back down already. Uh, Tapia did see some, uh, some time. Last game or the game before that, sometime this week, Tapia saw some some time. Real hard fastball from Tapia, a guy who's had major league experience previous to this, uh, so he got some time too. A couple good uh, bullpen pieces, but those are guys who will be back and forth a lot this season. Ryan, another guy back and forth all the time this season. Ryan McBroom came up for like a day. Uh, he came up basically for the Milwaukee Brewers series when the Royals might need pinch hitters. He came up and and played in, in those two games earlier this week. He has since been set back down, but the big promotion news of the week is really Nick Prado and Bobby Wood Jr. They both got the call to AAA this week. Mike, did you watch any of those AAA games? How do you feel about Nick Prado and Bobby Wood Jr. in Omaha at this point? I did get to watch uh, almost a complete Omaha game and then parts of some other games. Right now, I'm feeling great. Prado hit a grand slam today. Bobby uh, Jr. hit a home run today too. Oh, I didn't see that one, but I, I got four forty. He hit the Jeez, fucking thing. Okay. It was insane. Uh, it's good to see that Prado is continuing that because there were some questions about some of his peripheral numbers in Double uh, A and whether he was slowing down a little bit. Uh, he got off to such a fast start that uh, it, it seemed like really the only way he could go was to cool off a little bit. But Bobby Wade Jr. also hit an inside the park home run, which was good to see. He really gets around the bases extremely fast. Uh, he's had some really good defensive plays as well. And so to see them continue doing what they were doing in double A at the triple A level is extremely uh, reassuring, especially for a guy as young as Bobby Witt Jr. And especially for a guy like Prado, whose background is he doesn't have a sustained level of success in the minor leagues, not a long stretch anyway. Um, so to keep it, see him keep doing that is mwah, it is beautiful. It's so good. Keep it up. I think we probably see both these guys in September. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see on that. I've seen some things. Above. You have to remember that squads don't expand. Their rosters don't expand so much in September anymore. So instead of expanding to 40, they now just expand to 28. 
in, in September. Mm. And also the AAA season will go into September this year. And the who Royals, would you, who would you rather see of the two? Gosh, I think they're in the, the exact same boat. I think if, if one of them's coming, they're both coming. And so <laughs> what are these two tied together for, I think they're Royals, best friends and they hold they hands are. when they go and, to the bathroom and, together. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. Yes, they we, uh... do. But make sure they're washing them up because yeah. that's gross. Um, but uh, I think they love having Bobby Witt Jr. or Nick Prado there to sort of mentor and guide Bobby Witt Jr., honestly. I think they love that dynamic and want to keep them together. But I think, like, really, they're in the same boat in terms of like maturity level and capability and all that. Um, and so I think that they will be ready in September. I don't know if the Royals will choose to bring them up or to let them stay in AAA. And compete for a championship down there oh, if yeah, Omaha's Omaha in the race. first. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the Royals put a premium on guys competing in that way. And so maybe they just leave them down there. I also saw a theory, and I didn't get to read the whole article because I'm not a subscriber to his Patreon, but it, it, I think Clint Skulls, I think, had a piece out that was like wondering about if the new CBA might have an impact on whether or not they would bring them up. If service time rules are changing in the offseason, maybe guys don't want to teams don't want to bring guys up right now in case those rules change in some way. Uh, and that ends up harming them, you know? And so we'll see on that front. I think they'll both be ready uh, in September. I don't think Bobby Wood Jr. is going to struggle with AAA at all, at all. And he hasn't so far, so far he's hitting like 450. And so he, I just think that the level of competition in AA, the level of pitching prospects is actually higher. The guys at double yeah. a actually have probably better top end stuff than the guys pitching in triple a, the guys pitching in triple a are often basically reserve starters for the major league team and reserve bullpen guys for the major league team. So a lot of them don't have these super high ceilings. They don't have the, this top end stuff. They're more like crafty veterans who got teams just need to stash to give them innings. And so yeah. I don't think he's going to struggle in that way. That's kind of what AAA has become, kind of that holding yeah. spot for the guys that you're going to be bringing up at some point, you think, to the major league team. So, uh, But th- I think that's good because I think both of those hitters need some experience against those type of guys. Oh, yeah, you need for to sure. understand what veteran pitchers are going to be doing to them as far as getting to, them to expand their zone mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I think uh, if we continue to see them do well at the AAA level here, uh, you're talking about, possibly two cornerstones of an offense that really needs some cornerstones <laughs> moving forward. So um, good for them. And they're the two best friends that anyone's ever had. Yes. And maybe they'll be joining a super hot Kansas city Royals team when they come up. If, if this streak continues this week, the Royals went five and zero. they won all two swept two series this week, a two gamer against the Brewers and a three gamer against the Tigers. That brings their overall record to 42 and 55, only 13 games under 500. What's up? What? What's up? What? Take that white Sox. <clears throat> <laughs> Somehow the Royals are winning and that's a good thing. Um, they're getting offense, they're getting starting pitching, which is a big change for them. And that's, that's pretty huge for them. But I really want to talk about Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler. Cause I feel like they are the two keys to turning this around. And we're going to talk a little bit about it later. We want to give them props because Hunter Dozier has really turned it on in the last couple of weeks, the last three or four actually. And then Jorge Soler went off a bunch this week. Let's just dive right into strong performances. And then we'll get into more into Dozier and Soler later. Uh, the one I want to talk about is Nicky Lopez. He's still hitting. I mean, just keeps hitting. And 
I was very vocal about my skepticism that Lopez could be an everyday player, but man, he looks like one right now. Um, he looks like an everyday player. He's forcing me to eat the words. You know, I, I love seeing him hit. I love because I really wanted him to do well. I just had skepticism about it. He went five for 13 this week, had two doubles, one walk and a couple of strikeouts. It's really nice to see him continue hitting the baseball and getting on base for a team that really, really needs it. Yeah, he had some hits to drive in runs in some big spots this week, too. Think about the kind of hitter he profiles at at the ninth spot. It's really good because he's not striking out like he did in his first uh, year in the big leagues. So he's not doesn't have the high strikeout numbers. He is getting on base. He is the guy that we thought he could probably be when he was in the minors. This is kind of the profile. We're like, oh, well, he's going to play a good defensive, hopefully second base most of the time. Um, but he does he's solid at uh, short, and he made a big play uh, for Bubich. Uh, let's see. I can't remember what day that was. I think it was Friday, maybe. Friday? Um, I'll say Friday. But he, he, if he continues to do that, He's your everyday second baseman, and he's a great nine-spot hitter to set the table for the top of your order. Yeah, so great job from him this week. Mike, you want to talk about Jorge Soler? I do want to talk about Jorge Soler because we've only ever had him in the week performances column <laughs> of our section of the show. He's making his debut in our strong yes. performances oh, segment. Man. Like, this is so what we needed. Think about what kind of a different team this might be if he hits the way he's been hitting this week so much earlier in the year. Now that doesn't change the fact that they haven't gotten great starting pitching, but you're talking about a completely different team. If Jorge Soler is the Jorge Soler of 2019 and not the one he's been this year. Um, So he goes five for 16 this week, four home runs, including two today four RBI four walks. And that's, that's a huge deal for him. That's big. Yeah. Um, He was absolutely, he carried that offense today. Uh, early in the game, hits a big home run. Now, I will say this. The two pitches that he hit out today were pitches you have to hit out. They were fastballs right in the center of the plate, and he did what he's supposed to do, one to right center and one to left center. Like, if you're a power hitter in Major League Baseball, you have to be able to hit those pitches out, plain and simple, and he did it. And I'm happy for you, Jorge Soler. Way to go, buddy. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. And that's all anybody's ever been asking him for, really. It's that we're asking you to hit the ones that are in the strike zone. And he has such good plate discipline that he can pick out one that's in the middle. It's just up to this point, he hasn't been hitting them consistently. He'll foul them back. He'll miss them completely. Balls that he should be hitting out. And so it's good to see him turn the corner a little bit, get the offense going. Hopefully it keeps going. I don't know if anybody's going to want him at the trade deadline. I think the, the season may have been just a little too weak. Up to this point, nobody trusts him to keep it going, I imagine. But if nothing else, if you're going to be with the Royals for the rest of the year, you might as well kill it and give the fans something to watch. So keep it up if you can, buddy. Uh, we really love to see it. Weak performances this week. A guy who I've had a lot of faith in all season, uh, but he's just having a rough week. Uh, everybody has a little downtime. Is Andrew Benintendi. He's one for 15 this week. That's not good. Uh, five strikeouts, only one walk. I'm not too worried. Consistent hitter. But somebody had to have a weak week this week, and it was him. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Carlos Hernandez, who we've actually had in both spots with strong performances and weak performances. He's all over the place. Um, he only his one start this week was two point or two and two thirds innings, five earned runs, and that was because of his command. He gave up four walks, and that's what so far what Carlos Hernandez has been when he can command the baseball. He is an extremely good starter. 
when he can't, he's an extremely bad starter. And so uh, hopefully they can get those things fixed. He can uh, become just more consistent. He's not going to have starts where, you know, he, he's going to have starts where he goes two innings from time to time in his career, but we need to be consistently more uh, better. Sorry. Consistently better command from Carlos Hernandez will make him a valuable piece. Can the Royals do that? I hope so because he is one of my favorite pitchers to watch in major league baseball. Yeah. That brings us to our themes for the week, and that segues nicely into mine. When you get that level of consistency, when you see the good starting pitching and the good offense and the consistency there, we see what the Royals could be. That's my theme for this week. We see what it could be, right? In these very brief glimpses, we see how good they could be. The problem is lack of consistency has meant that they have not been that very often this year. They were they were as good as they could be in April. They've been as good as they could be in this five-game stretch. But other than that, it's just nothing but wild inconsistency from Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler and Carlos Hernandez and Brad Keller and Brady Singer and a bunch of other people have just been way up and down with much more down than up. And so it's tough to see, but at least in these brief glimpses, we get some moments of watching quality baseball. Yeah. And that kind of talks, I'm going to be the negative side of that. My theme this week is hope kills. Okay. Because, and, and I feel like I'm, I'm, Morgan Freeman and Shawshank Redemption giving that speech on oh I love that. about how you can't you can't be having hope that. in prison when you're serving the long stretch. Uh, but I've seen hope kill a man exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, so, and, and I mean this in, in a kind of a couple different ways. You can't have hope that the Royals are going to be playoff contenders this year. That's not going to happen. You can't really have hope. You're, the hope that you can have is for performances from those guys that are a part of the future that's okay but also you're saying hey wait are we going to go out and start winning some games and then you know tank our draft position and do all that stuff possibly you know i've never been a person who's like oh we'll go ahead and tank so we can get a low position because i like to watch interesting baseball i like to watch fun games but hope can kill okay so don't feel like oh we're, we're getting this and oh we're gonna turn it around we're not turning it around okay it's good to see them win. We want to see them continue to do that. Or really, we just want to see them play good baseball and develop the people who are providing hope, the Bobby Witt Juniors, the Prados, and anybody else who's going to be here. Hopefully, somebody like Carlos Hernandez and Bubich and those guys moving forward. Yeah, don't go buying your 2022 World Series tickets or anything like that. Yeah. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout-out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. Also, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Royals Weekly. We tweet during most games, and you can get all this fresh insight for free by simply following us. So, the Royals are hotter than Kansas City in August, or, as Ichiro would say, hotter than two rats fucking in a wool sock. <laughs> have you seen that clip? I have seen that clip. Oh, I fantastic. love it. I love it. There is nothing better than hearing Ichiro describe that. <laughs> um, this is an unusual occurrence for the Royals. So we're going to talk about how it happened, how they came to be so hot and what it means for the team moving forward for answers. We'll turn first to a man who knows a little something about hot streaks and that he's never had one. Mike, why are the Royals so boiling lava hot right now? Well, you know, having never had a hot streak and I'm not understanding really what one was, I had to go look up that parlance of our time. Yeah, go look okay. that up. But 
the solid starting pitching is going to be what I think can sustain hot streaks for any baseball team. You know, you can hit and hit and hit, but I think really you have to have starting pitching if you're going to have long streaks where you win games. And that's really what made the Tigers kind of more successful in the, in the last month or two, month really that they've had is that they've gotten better performance out of their starting pitching. So this week we had really solid starts from everybody with the exception of Carlos Hernandez. And so when you're getting pitching like that, Daniel Lynch gives up no runs in eight innings today. Keller gives up three and six innings. Bubich gives up one in six innings. Uh, you get just wonderful starting pitching. Any team can then have a chance to win. And so that's going to be moving forward. We need that solid rotation. We need guys like Coar to step forward, guys like Singer to step up. And we'll see if we can continue to get that. If we continue to get that starting pitching, I think we're going to have more winning streaks. Yeah. Wow. That's a thing. More that's winning deep, streaks. Deep take right there. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what's wild. You know, the notion of, of more winning streak. I think you're ab- absolutely right there. I think this team has gone all season without any sort of consistent starting pitching. So it's really hard to see what they could be, even in that early part of the season when they were top record in baseball. No, it wasn't the starting pitching. It was the fact that they were hitting enough and their bullpen was carrying them long yeah. in games. They, they were pitching a ton of innings early in the season and they were carrying the pitching staff. And so that's not a recipe for sustained success. We saw the bullpen get burnt out and be unable to carry them you know, after that. And so it's weird that we're not getting that sort of, we haven't gotten st- consistent starting pitching until what? 95 90 games into the season or something like that uh it's weird that it's starting now but hopefully it continues right because if it does if brad keller's found it if Bubich has found it or if duffy comes back and keeps pitching well if singer finds it if lynch looks like he's found it then guess what this team's gonna look pretty decent they don't have the worst lineup in the world they have a pretty decent lineup especially if dozier and solaire are hitting they have a, a a good bullpen especially when they get a chance to rest every now and again, you know, it's this team's not going to look terrible if they get some good starting pitching, but I want to turn to the two hitters who have really turned this around. And that's Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler. We see how huge they are to the lineup when they're hitting and when they're not right, when they're not, this lineup might average three runs a game when those two are hitting. And the weird thing is it's they're on off. Like it's not like somewhere in the middle, they don't have like an, in the middle setting, they're either crushing the ball or doing nothing. And so they've been crushing the ball lately and the Royals are scoring a lot of runs in that Hernandez start. The Royals had to score like nine runs to win. They did it. Right. And so those two guys, we see sort of what it means to have a deep lineup now, like, and we should, we should have seen it before because the angels have been doing this for years where they have three or four good hitters. They also have shitty starting pitching, but a lot of times they'll have three or four good hitters and then the rest of their lineup is is real meh, you know? Yeah. And Mike Trout, they have the best hitter in, in baseball. They have Shohei Otani now. Trout's hurt right now, but you see what I'm saying? Like, they had it's uh, the, that it's Calhoun the guy when he was hitting a lot. Exactly. It's the depth of a lineup that matters. You cannot have two, three, four, five automatic outs in your lineup. Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler were automatic outs for a while. Michael A. Taylor was an automatic out for a while. You know, when when Ben Intendi was hurt and the other people were starting and stuff like that, it was just not good enough to have a deep lineup. They need the deep lineup and Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler hitting is creating that for them. Yeah. And it could be a little deceiving because when you have a guy like Salvador Perez and you have a consistent guy like Carlos Hernandez or Carlos Santana, 
then it can look like, well, this offense might be okay enough to do this, but it won't be. It'll be be okay on some days and terrible for three days. Exactly. So that's, that's why I think the most important thing to sustain success to winning five games in a row and being consistently good is always going to be starting pitching because you're going to have guys go out in the lineup. You're going to have guys that are in Hunter Dozier slash Jorge Soler funks um, or, you know, things like that. So if you can get that consistent starting pitching, you can sustain a streak like that. Now Dozier and Soler hitting is a game changer. Like you can come back and win a game nine to eight when they're hitting, when you don't get a great start from Carlos Santana, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think you throw those guys in a lineup, you're talking about something that, and they're hitting, you're talking about a formidable lineup, not something that you're hoping a bullpen and, and a starting rotation can carry like Cleveland does. <laughs> like Cleveland does it and has for years. Um, yeah. So I think the thing to put this all in perspective, you really have to ask a, a question about this because Yes, it's five games. Yes, it's fun to watch. Yes, they may even continue this high level of play for a while, even if they're not continuing the winning streak. Maybe they just keep playing well. The question we have to ask, though, is what does this mean for the Royals moving forward? Like, they're out of contention unless they go on some sort of monumental Oakland A's-like 20-game winning streak. They're not coming back into contention. And so what does this mean for the Royals moving forward? Honestly, not much. And that's not really what we want to hear, but a five game winning streak uh, in the end of July, when you're already 20 some games, you know, under almost 20 games under 500, which is what they were when they started the week. uh, It doesn't really mean much. You don't have enough time here for Jorge Soler to increase his trade value probably. And so really, I guess what you're looking into this is, are they, what are you getting as far as, Hey, information on, well, this is going to be something we can take into the future. This is going to be a person, a player that that has developed, like like Brad Keller. If Keller continues to pitch the way that he did earlier in the year and doesn't turn it around like it looks like he maybe has in his last three or four starts, you may have to start questioning if Brad Keller is part of the future. But he's turned it around a little bit, so maybe you can say, hey, that's a person we can rely on because he's made these adjustments and he's going to continue to use those things in starts down the road. Now, if he if it all blows up on him, then maybe you reassess, but that's really what the rest of the season is for. What can help us moving forward? The five game yeah. streak doesn't really mean much. Yeah. It's an evaluation time at this point. You're just seeing what do guys offer, right? It's great to see Lynch. It's great to see. It'll be great to see Coar back up making starts. It'll be interesting to see more from, from Bubich and things like that. But all you really do is learning whether or not these guys will be pieces in 2022, 2023. There's no like, it's fun for the fans. That's one thing I think that sometimes gets undersold is that like if the Royals are winning, whether or not they're possibly going to get back into contention, at least it's fun for the fans to watch, you know, at least, it, you know, people look like they were having a ton of fun out at the game today, you know, yesterday too, when it was like Alex Gordon day, you know, and he, they were having a bunch of fun out there. Alex Gordon bobblehead. He throws out the first pitch from left field. It was really cool. And that's, that's valuable. Keep your fan base intrigued, get us excited for next season when, you know, Bobby Wood Jr., Nick Prado, MJ Melendez, maybe Lynch, Kowar, Singer, Bubich, that whole, when it's all supposed to sort of come to fruition, when it's supposed to start taking shape at the major league level, get us excited for that. That's cool. But really don't sink too much into the fact that they might be winning right now, because that's just not going to do much for them moving forward other than let them know who can and can't be a piece in 2022, 2023. 
To start our look ahead, we want to mention that there's a rumor mill a stirring. There's a rumor mill a stirring out there uh, right now about a potential Whitmerryfield trade. The the rumor is, and it's from some sources that probably know what they're talking about, credible sources from MLB.com and so forth, that uh, Whitmery, that the Seattle Mariners are pushing hard to trade for Whitmerryfield. So maybe that happens before you hear this and you know the details already. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe it's complete bullshit. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, what I will say is that I think the Royals should be looking to trade with Merrifield because he's 32 years old. He's not going to be here for much of the next window. Get what you can out of him now. I'm of that mind. And I'd like to see an advanced bat in the outfield if they do that. I'd like to see maybe a Taylor Trammell from, from the Mariners, though I don't love how he's hit at the major league level. I think he does have the tools to sort of uh, improve his offensive ability at the major league level. And I do think he can play a competent center field. They could also uh, maybe look at a prospect like Zach Deloche. Uh, he's uh, hit really well in, in high A and, and double A so far this year. Not a center fielder probably, but could probably pay a competent left fielder, right field, and give you a lot offensively. And as we know, the Royals need help in the outfield moving forward. So, Mike, do you have thoughts at all on the trading of potential trading of Whit Merrifield? Yeah, I'm with you. I think you need to trade Whit Merrifield. Now, some of the things that we've heard on possible – uh, compensation for a Whit Merrifield seems like a joke to me. The Royals aren't going to give him away. Let's say that. Okay. Um, mm. I, uh, Royals farm report, uh, Alex Duvall over there put out that Zach Deloche would kind of be an interesting guy. I hadn't really thought of him. Uh, I've heard his name. He's, he's still pretty young. Uh, I believe he was a college player drafted last year, if I'm not mistaken, but something like that, I think is maybe a possibility as like the cornerstone of something with some bullpen arms or something thrown in on either side. Yeah. But I, I I would really like to see them get somebody who can play center field because we I don't know that Kyle Isbell is the answer there. And so I don't know that they have a plan for center field moving forward. But, you know, you can always go out and sign guys, whatever, to play defensive center field, which is really what they're looking for uh, out of their center fielder. So I am of the mind that Whit Merrifield should be traded at some point, but I would like to see something that helps them in the outfield. I don't I don't you don't need starting pitching because you're banking on that crop of college pitchers that you drafted. If they don't work out either way, another starting pitcher isn't going to do anything for you. So yeah, unless you're saying something like maybe a strong piece on a corner infield is the only other possible thing, third. but mm. maybe a third is my thought, but I don't know. I would say, uh, get yourself an outfielder for Whitmerfield. Yeah. But that won't be next week. Well, that might be next week. That might happen next week. <laughs> but we know that some games are going to happen next week. Yeah. The Royals are going to have a series at home against the White Sox, AL Central leading White Sox. And then they'll go on the road to face the Blue Jays. Mike, tell us a little bit about the White Sox. We faced them a bunch, but remind us what they're like. Uh, they're good at baseball. They're really <laughs> effing good. <laughs> they get guys <laughs> hurt and stuff and they just keep winning games. Uh, so the White Sox are 58 and 40. They are the, the cream of the crop in the AL Central. Uh, we'll start with Mike Miner versus Dallas Keuchel. He's that 33-year-old crafty lefty. Um, he doesn't quite have the stuff that he probably did when he was with Houston. Uh, 4.22 ERA for him. The sinker is the big thing for him. He gets a lot of ground balls. Perfect for a guy like him because he fields that pitching position really well. He throws ground balls, and he just gets through, eats up innings that way. Uh, so Dallas Keuchel is kind of the guy, a guy that I would have loved to have had two or three years ago uh, because he, he's such a reliable piece uh, there. But uh, second game, we have Keller versus Dylan Cease, a 25-year-old right-hander, 
4.21 ERA here, but he's got a, a hard throwing fastball from the right side, slider, curveball, changeup guy. We've seen him a lot, so shouldn't be any surprises there. In the last game of that series, it should be Bubich, probably Bubich versus uh, Lucas Giolito, 27-year-old right-hander, 3.78 ERA. He's got that kind of funky delivery from the right side. Uh, it looks a little weird when you watch him, but he's got a killer changeup that really hurts lefties. He he actually he'll throw the changeup pretty much whenever, and he throws it a lot. So one of the best in the majors. Yeah, he's he's definitely a guy. He had some Cy Young talk a few years ago. Did he win the Cy Young? I can't remember. I can't remember. He threw a no hitter, I think, uh, or a perfect game. I think he I don't threw think one it was of the perfect game. He threw at least a no hitter. Yeah. Uh, he, so he he's definitely a guy with uh, the ability to shut down the a, the lineup. The so ace of their staff. Yeah, sure. and that's going to be a tough draw for Bubich because they have some really good right-handed bats. And so that may be a tough matchup to win for Chris Bubich. You hope you get a solid outing out of him so he can start to chain some of those together. Uh, but then we yeah. got the Blue Jays. So tell us we're going to we're going to go to Canada. Well, I guess not Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody gets to go to Canada anymore. They, they are opening um, back up for him. They but, are uh, opening back up. Uh, but you, you wish you could go to Canada. That's right. uh, <laughs> yeah, the Blue Jays are 49 and 46. That gives That's only good enough for fourth in the AL East. AL East is a real tough, real deep uh, division with the Rays and the Red Sox and the Yankees and then the Blue Jays. Uh, and the Orioles, of, but they're terrible. And the Orioles are in there, but they're terrible. <laughs> um, they're the team that all those other teams beat. Um, and so a lot of good young talent on the Blue Jays. Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr., of course, Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez, just great power hitting on base guys in their lineup, just up and down their lineup. Vlad Guerrero Jr., if it wasn't for Shohei Otani, would probably be the AL MVP this year. We'll see if I think Otani's gonna win it in a walk. Yeah. But if if he if he got hurt or if if he wasn't uh the uh, freak of nature that he is, um then Vlad Guerrero Jr. is probably taking the AL uh, MVP this year because he has just had a monster year. Uh, Bo Bichette, very solid player. Steady Oscar Eddie. Hernandez, uh, just a good hitter. Um, their their rotation has uh, about three deep of good starting pitching. They got um, Robbie Ray. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce this name. Hyunjin Ryu. That's right. Um, and then Steven Matz, who is like a bane to the Royals' existence. You'll remember him from the Mets days in that 2015 World Series. They had the Mets on the ropes, and then Matz came in and threw a really good game against them. So, yeah. That's two tough series this week. Two tough series this week, but this is the start of a really tough stretch for the Royals. Like the rest of July and August is going to be really tough for them. So the five game winning streak feels good, but I'd be shocked if it turns into a 10 game winning streak. Yeah, I I would just like to see them uh, one, keep be competitive, play better baseball. But two, if they can if they can hang anywhere around 500 moving forward. Yeah, I feel like you. You feel oh. like you got good ba- good play from them if they're in oh that, yeah that uh, range because it does get really tough, really tough. We'll end this week like we end every week with our just a bit outside segment where we talk about something that interests us outside the world of baseball. We're very uh, eclectic people. We like lots of different things. So let's talk about some things that aren't baseball. Mike, what are you fascinated with outside the world of baseball this week? Well, I'm going to dig deep into my eclectic bag of weird things. Not talking baseball, talking football. All right, <laughs> you're <laughs> <really> so <laughs> you are so outside the box, my friend. I know, I know. no uh, one's on coming. So I'm football not, coach not, wants to talk about football. <laughs> uh, I'm not really talking about football specifically, but it's really happening because of football, and that's conference realignment in college uh, sports. I think this is super interesting. 
uh, we were alive, and I assume most of our listeners were the last time this happened, um, when Mizzou and uh, Arkansas, Texas A&M, they bolted for the SEC, realigned all the conference stuff. The Pac-10 got more teams, and now they're the Pac-12. That, that was only, wasn't that only like five years ago? It of course was, we were yeah. alive for it. Big who, who do you think our listeners are? Four-year-olds who were like, what is this conference realignment well, I mean, thing? If, if we I just like crapped my pants. Guys in their younger 20s, they may not remember it. Okay. Uh, it wasn't five years ago, was it? It was like I don't know, my years ago or something. Maybe. Um, but it's interesting to me. Yes, it does all boil down to money, but you're going to get conferences. It's very likely to happen that uh, Oklahoma University and Texas are going to the SEC. I, I don't see that that gets stopped at this point. As a matter of fact, I've heard as early as tomorrow they could be an announcement that they're gone. So, what happens to the Big Twelve? I think is kind of the the uh, thing here, the SEC is a dominant football conference. They are the dominant baseball conference as well. Uh, they have competent basketball teams sometimes. Uh, so really, as far as sports go, the SEC is kind of the cream of the crop right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Big 12 because there's now talk. OK, are the, is the Pac-12 going to start poaching teams as well? And then whoever's just left goes to the Big 10 and there is no more Big 12. Or are the teams that are in the Big 12 now going to say, good riddance, Oklahoma and Texas, we're going to take a less valuable conference now, which it really is at this point, if they leave, we're going to take that and just continue to go. There's also all these interstate politics things where it's like, oh, Texas A&M doesn't want Texas to come to the SEC. Texas Tech doesn't want them to leave the Big 12. Oklahoma State doesn't want Oklahoma to leave the Big 12. What's their legislature going to do about it? Like all these crazy, crazy moving parts but it does boil down to money. So I think eventually it's going to happen. And I want to see what happens to the big 12 in like two months. People are going to say, what's the big 12, you know, because <laughs> you think so? I think it's gone, buddy. I yeah. think, I think we're about to see it carved up like a Thanksgiving Turkey, but we'll see who knows at this point. I never, I can never predict these things. Then maybe they'll go out and invite a bunch of teams from the mountain West or something, but yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. know if, I don't know if teams want to do that if they want to bring in schools I think, that I think ultimately increase your value all that much. Well, yeah, then that's you have what I'm to still give them the same amount of money. Like, well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, it's interesting to me that what I think will happen is, and why I think the Big Twelve is going to get carved up. I think the Big Twelve schools, it's like a sinking ship, and everybody, every everyone wants to get out, right? Like, and the second you know. The second you see the writings on the wall, you're you're looking out for number one. At least these schools are, and they're like. Oh, we could just go to the Big Ten. Oh, we can go to you know the Pac-12. Oh, we can go to you know. I think that's what ultimately why it's gonna you know die. But we'll see. I, I don't honestly care that much. To me, it's like you know, are you in the SEC? Are you in the Big Twelve? What do I care? Honestly, uh, I'm not a huge fan of any one Division One college football team. I am a fan of whatever college football team I have money on that weekend. So and the Northwest really, Missouri State Bearcats and the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats. <laughs> that's all I really care about. Um, and so. You know, great. You're in the SEC. Please cover the spread this weekend. I want to have a, uh, I'm talking about something that I experienced today. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. And that's good conversation. It is rare to find somebody to like have a good conversation with, in my opinion, because most people want to talk about shit that doesn't matter or is not interesting to me. Um, but when you, but every once in a while you have an experience that's like, oh, we actually talked about something interesting and it makes me realize that I really love like interperson conversation, face-to-face -face conversation. I spend a lot of time, especially at work, just by myself in a room 
looking at a computer screen. Um, and so it's always interesting to me when you can have an actually good conversation with somebody uh, that you don't know that and just like learn about them and hear their stories. People have crazy ass stories. I love doing that. And so get out there. I mean, it's COVID times right now. So be very careful about this um, and find somebody to just have a weird, awesome conversation with because it'll just make your day. It'll brighten your day. I think what, what the key to that is find people who are, are different than you. Like, yes. Um, so like when I, when I started working where I work currently work, I would go into the library and I would talk to our librarian and he's not all that different from me. Miller, shout out to you if you're listening, um, Miller. but he and I aren't really all that different. We're about the same age. We like a lot of the same stuff, but he had a library assistant who I became extremely close with. Her name is Paula. She's quite a bit older than I am. She comes from a different background. You know, she's got a different life and things like that, but man, we became really close friends. And every single day I would go in there and have a conversation with those two people. And it made my day a lot of times. Now, sadly, they have moved to another building and left me, but I still get uh, to go over there and, and talk to them. And it makes my day every time I get to see them and talk to them. So uh, try and find some people who are different than you and have a good conversation. And that's always fun. Yes. Actually, the person I had a conversation with today is exactly like me in a lot of ways, but is a woman. Um, and so that was one significant difference. But there was another person who I used to have a conversation with back at, when I was in graduate school. Her name was Mevi. I'm going to shout out to her, even though I know she doesn't listen. Her name is <laughs> Mevi Hosa, and she's from Togo, which is in Africa, if you don't know. <laughs> uh, and she just had I, I, all I ever wanted to do was like hear about, you know, her stories and her life and like because she had a really interesting life and so uh i spent a lot of time just like hanging out asking her questions and hearing her like talk about shit was like one of the interest most interesting things i did in graduate school and so yeah find those people you don't know or people you do know if you're hugely narcissistic like me or those people who are like you or those people who are not like you and uh have those good conversations because they're half of what makes uh, interpersonal communication fun other than that, you should just be listening to Royals Weekly. That's all you should do is just listen to Royals Weekly and have conversations. 24-7, people. 24-7. What? You finished? Rewind it. Listen again. There you um, go. Next week, we'll bring up some more stuff. Hopefully, somebody gets traded, and we'll have that to talk about. Uh, uh, but until then, watch Royals baseball. Enjoy this winning streak, and be good to each other. Go Royals. <laughs>